Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome to this series three, episode seven of Out with Susie Ruffle. Hello, how are you? I hope you're well. Um, I'm okay. You might, my voice might be slightly croakier than normal. Um, it's currently before seven on Saturday, and um, I'm getting picked up for a job in about an hour. So I thought that I would do the uh, the intro to the podcast before I left because I'm filming most of the weekend and I wanted to make sure that I did it so we can always go out on a Monday for you guys. Um, so forgive the slightly croaky voice. Um, before we begin, I'd like to do a little plug. My dear friend Rosie Jones, whose episode on this podcast is brilliant. I can't remember if she's series one or series two, but whatever series she's in, there's a great episode. Uh, with me and my dear, dear friend Rosie. She's got a new TV show out on Channel 4 called Trip Hazard. It's really funny. I've watched the first bit of it. It's so funny and so brilliant. Make sure you watch it and support our mate Rosie because uh, she's just brilliant. And I love seeing what she's up to. So that's just a little pluggity plug. So thank you so much to those of you that got in touch after last week's episode. We got a lot of emails and I really appreciate that. There was tweets and there was uh, Instagram posts, people saying, oh my God, I've just found this podcast, it's great, which I really, really appreciate. More than I really know how to express, to be honest. So thank you so much for that. Um, There's some people that have commented on the iTunes page. That's really helpful because it means that it sort of bumps up and might end up on the iTunes home screen which is really helpful for more people to find the podcast I know you hear it on every podcast don't you this bit uh, please can you subscribe to the show it really helps but it does uh, if you've got time that'd be super but listen we're all busy people I understand that's probably not why I should say I'm not doing the hard sell am I um, I understand if you can't manage that uh, thanks so much to those of you that have emailed in as ever the email is hello out with com. Uh, we've received lots of emails, as I said, this week. And as ever, at the top of the show, I will share a couple of them. So let's start here. Hi, Susie. I thought this little story of mine might be helpful. I'm a 37-year-old sculptor working in the Midlands. And to my knowledge, I'm the first person I've ever met who has come out as straight. To my mum's disappointment, now there's going to be another woman in your life? As a young boy, I felt unlike other boys of my age, often with an interest in history or making. Stuff that I couldn't talk about to other people my age. School was at best lonely and at worst frightening. Finally at college I met people I could truly talk to and friends that I loved, many of which were gay. This led me to spending a huge amount of my social life on the gay scene in Birmingham where I met people who are still my close friends 20 years on. My family embraced this without question and often came to clubs with us. My dad dressing up as Woody from Toy Story and my mum as the Empress of Russia. After some time it seemed that they expected me to perhaps mention a boyfriend and we had a chat about it. 
Again, they're amazing people and they just seemed happy as long as I was, whatever my sexuality. Years on, I have a beautiful wife who is a proud out bisexual, two feminist daughters, and my job is building monuments to people who haven't had their share of representation. I'm currently working on a monument to AIDS and HIV awareness, and a monument to diversity, which includes a lot of queer representation. I'm proud and honoured to be able to make things that help give a visibility to people that I work with. I get to reflect their beauty, which is an incredible job to have. I suppose I'm writing this because there might be a few young people listening to this who think because they're not on the queer spectrum themselves that they might not be welcomed into that lifestyle. It couldn't be less true and having rainbow friends has added jewels into the life that I might have never seen. Thanks so much for your podcast and my continued love for your work. Strength to your elbow as they say around my way. Yours, Luke. I loved receiving this email, Luke. Thank you so much. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Our allies make up a wonderful part of our community and I've received lots of emails from allies on here and I love it. I love that people tune in every week to learn a little bit more about a community that they want to support and I think that's wonderful. So I'm really pleased um, that you emailed in and I really appreciate it. I've also never heard of the expression more strength to your elbow. I'm not sure what it means. I wonder if it's something to do with sort of making sure that I'm pushing my way in. <laughs> Going, oi, let me, let me get to the microphone. Uh, maybe it's that, but I appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. And wow, I'm so interested to see uh, the monument to AIDS and HIV awareness and the one on diversity that you're working on. Maybe if when they're finished, you tweet me, I could share them with the Out With Susie Twitter family. If you're on Twitter, by the way, there is at Out With Susie if you want to follow it. Right, let's have another one. Hi Susie, I hope you're doing well in these strange and testing times and that the podcast and your balcony garden are giving you some joy in helping the monotony of lockdown life. As a cat dad, I'd also like to give a shout out to Velma. I let her know this, she was very pleased. I'm a big fan of the podcast which has accompanied me through so many early morning walks. Listening to the recent episode with Bethany Black, an excellent interview by the way, I was surprised to hear that you don't get many emails from gay men, so here I am to answer your call. I first thought about contacting the show before, but I've been apprehensive for two reasons. Firstly, being a white cis gay man, I do wonder if we haven't heard enough from us. <laughs> no self-hatred here, by the way, nor am I wishing to be disparaging to other white cis gay men. However, I do think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of LGBTQIA representation in the media over the years has unfortunately been very white, very cis and very gay. I founded and co-chair Pride of Irons, the LGBTQIA plus supporters group for the West Ham United Football Club, and being someone in the privileged position to speak on behalf of people across our community. I'm very conscious of representation. I'm honoured that our members have given me the permission to speak on their behalf, but stories and experiences across our community are important and voices from every stand of this beautiful tapestry that is the queer community need their own airtime. That means that sometimes as a leader, you need to step aside and hand the floor to others. I guess that experience has led me to be cautious when I do or don't engage and my hesitation in messaging earlier. The other reason I felt a bit awkward was because I've met you before. I was one of the footy fans on the Eurostar trip arranged by Attitude magazine that yourself and Tom were on. That's Tom Allen. I also met Tom a few times since doing football related stuff and I suppose I didn't want to come across as an over familiar weirdo. You never could. You never could. I love people being over familiar, don't worry. And I do remember you. I remember we had a drink with you guys. After the episode of Like-Minded Friends, where you mentioned that you'd stolen the little statues without realising, I desperately wanted to write in because I too have made that mistake and found it hilarious. But again, I wondered if that was overly familiar. Oh well, here I am now. Just to let you know, 
there's an episode of Like-Minded Friends, which is mine and Tom's podcast. We went on this Eurostar trip with Jim, who's uh, part of Pride of Irons. And um, we went to we went for dinner and they had these little, um, these little like statues on the table of two boys kissing and two girls kissing. And Tom and I thought they were gifts, but they weren't. But in fact, we just stole ornaments from a restaurant and found out at a later date. So I'm pleased that you did it as well. Right, back to the email. For someone who came out a little late at the age of 26, I feel like it's been a roller coaster of a ride to get where I am now. I'm 40 in the summer and went from the straight guy who was engaged to a girl since he since just before his 18th birthday to dump to 26 and trying out dating guys to fully coming out, then learning about our community while making faux pas after faux pas. I'm not gay, I'm just a bloke that fancies blokes. Anyone? And then meeting the man of my dreams, then setting up Pride of Irons and having the responsibility of representing others, to meeting people across the community along the way and learning their truths, to getting married to my wonderful husband Pete, to, well, I don't know what's next, other than to keep learning and to keep growing and to keep listening to people's stories and experiences and trying to be the best ally I can across our underrepresented communities. This podcast has been like a power up to that journey. Having the ability to pop my earphones in for an hour and listen and learn more about our community truly is a gift. If that naive 26-year-old me had access to something like this, who knows where I'd be now. So please keep up the good work, because regardless of the age or the experience of your listeners, we're all learning new things and getting the opportunity to grow because of it. If you're looking into anything around football, can I suggest you reach out to women's players? I think there's a huge focus on gay male players, but there's a long way to go before a male player is out during their playing time. That means a lot of the time you'll find gay players who came out once they retired. And although their stories are interesting, they're often from the same perspective as that 26-year-old me, still finding themselves in the world. It's a lot of pressure and responsibility for those people, and often they'll be at the start of their journeys. With female players, there are many out and proud whilst playing, and I think their stories will come from a place of experience, self-acceptance, and the benefit of years of growth. Anyway, that's enough waffling. Thanks for reading this, if indeed you got this far. Keep doing what you're doing, and remember to make pride every day. That was the slogan on the uh, on the Eurostar trip that we went. Warmest regards, Jim. Um, thank you so much, Jim, for getting in touch. Um, I know I interrupted your email a couple of times, but I do remember you, and I remember what fun we had on that trip. Thank you so much for reaching out and for sharing your story with us and for letting people know about Pride of Irons. Maybe you're a football fan, maybe you're someone that would love to support a football team and you'd like to be able to do it in a really queer friendly environment. Why not find out about um, Pride of Irons? Actually, do you know what, Jim, I think at some point you're going to have to take me down to a match. Maybe maybe West Ham are the team for me. I haven't, um, I haven't been to a football game for years. Maybe I could come along with you guys. That would be a lot of fun. Right, just as if I was there to sort of answer your prayers, Jim, Today we've got today we've got a female footballer. We've got a professional footballer who I messaged on Twitter and was kind enough to uh, to chat to me for an hour. She was absolutely brilliant. I loved this conversation with Leanne Sanderson. I was really inspired by her and yeah, just loved chatting to her. What a brilliant woman she is and what a thrill it is to share this conversation with you. What a coincidence, Jim, that you wrote in an email about me interviewing a female footballer and I'd literally done it a few days before. What are the chances? Here it is, not especially for Jim, but I am a bit delighted about how these two things have um, have come together. Uh, but here is the fantastic interview with Leanne Sanderson. Okay, listener, I am super excited for today's interview. Leanne Sanderson is an English professional football player and now a football pundit. 
Her career has seen her play for Arsenal, Chelsea, playing for teams across England, of course, but also the US, Spain, Cyprus, and most recently in Italy with Juventus. Now working as a football pundit, you might have seen her. She's in high demand on BBC Sports, Soccer AM, Sky Sports, being one of the few women that are invited to comment on the game, bringing a fresh insight, knowledge and know-how. In fact, Ian Wright said she made him up his game. What a pleasure it is to have her on the podcast today. Welcome to the show, Leanne. Hello. Thank you. Thank you, Susie. Absolute honour of mine and pleasure to uh, be here with you. Well, we've just found out that we're basically neighbours, so I'm very I'm still excited. Trying to, I'm literally still trying to get my head around it. I can't believe I literally, we weren't this close where we uh, both, where you live and where my mum and dad live, but um, literally I run past your house nearly every day in the summer, so we're neighbours. I'm going to be asking <laughs> to go for a kickabout with you. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely have to do that. I can show you how, as a teenager, I briefly thought, maybe I could do this professionally, and then everyone <laughs> went, nah, maybe you couldn't. Uh, <laughs> but I gave it a good go. Um, how are you? I'm great. I'm doing really well. I'm really busy at the moment. I feel really blessed that during this time, you know, especially in 2020, that I was still able to go to the studio and, and stuff like that. It really helped, like, for my mindset and things like that. And then I was, at the beginning of lockdown, I was living in Los Angeles. And then I was, um, and then when I was able to fly home, I came home and then spent a lot of time in England. Probably more time in England than this in the last year than I have in previous years, which has been nice. Got to spend a lot of time with my mum and dad. Um, I love living in America though. It's literally been my home for 10 years other than when I lived um, in Italy. Mm -hmm. And um, I just find people to be a bit more open-minded. And I know a lot of people will, you know, say, well, it's America and they they watch the news and they see Donald Trump and they see Mm -hmm. all these things, not to get into politics. And I'm like, but America, America's a massive country mm-hmm. and there are really great things about it. And I think on the news, I don't really share those great things. Especially LA, right? Yeah, I mean, I lived, I've lived, i lived in New York for four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not gonna live somewhere that I know doesn't accept me. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and doesn't of course. really like, you know, agree with my lifestyle choice and things like that. There are places like that in America and there are places like that everywhere, unfortunately. But um, I've had nothing but great experiences and I find people to just embrace me a little bit more, my individuality, and just the way I am. I think people are more open to it. And, and people say to me, really? And I'm like, yeah, like, I like getting into a lift and someone saying good morning. I like, you know, this isn't about me and my sexuality or my personality. It's just about a gen- general observation, just like walking down the street. Hi, how you doing? Not that you're walking down the street and like, hi, 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 hi. But I, I good morning people on the street. I always, good morning, yeah, but, morning. I like a chit But when you do it in England, what do people do? Because people look at me like I'm a nutter. And, <laughs> but I still do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I still do it because I'm like, why not? But I'm not saying you need to start having conversations with loads of people at like periods of time. But when you're when I go for a run and you see a fellow runner, I'm like, you kind of do that wave. You do the little high. And they look at me and it's like, they don't give me a wave back. And that's fine. They put their head down as if to say, oh. And then I maybe I see them again. Hopefully they'll come round and then they don't. <laughs> but it's fine. It's just, I don't know. I just find Americans to be a bit more friendly. But they think we're more friendly, which is interesting. And I might be wrong here, but from the outside, it feels that there's more of a celebration of the women's game there. Is that right? Yeah, I think a celebration of people, to be honest. Like when I was on, I'll give you one example. The other day I was on CBS. I did a really big thing for, and it was in the whole of America. It was based in England. And I felt like I'd played in the World Cup final. It was the first time ever that I've been in... um, I go do TV every single weekend, right? Mm-hmm. I go on Sky Sports News and I'm on there all the time. It's the first time ever that I felt like I'd played in a football match in the adrenaline because a lot of people were like, 
messaging me. All my kids, I have my own coaching academy in America. They were, you know, putting um, pictures of me on their T-shirts. It was almost like I was on X Factor or something. You know, when the families are like, <laughs> like that. That's what it was like. And it felt so nice. And I thought, why did I feel like that? And I And it was the only observation I came to. My best friend lives in Thailand. And she said to me, it's because you're working with Americans. And I was like, that's a really good point. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so the way I was received, like I do Sky Sports News and all those other things every weekend. And yeah, people tell me, well done, Leanne. But the other day it was more like, oh my God. And I'm thinking, why is it so different? And it was based upon, I think, people in England think, you know, Americans are quite exaggerated and stuff like that. But I like it. I think it's great when people want you to do well and want you to succeed and don't feel threatened. I've done gigs where there's been like sort of like stand-up gigs where there's been loads of Americans in and when you walk on stage in a British club often the vibe is go on then impress me go on then arms folded yeah like why are you on stage why do you think you should have the mic whereas if you if there's like groups of Americans in it's like good for you getting up there having a go like there's that sort Mm -hmm. of encouragement where I guess there's that energy of people thinking, well, give things a go, or like you can achieve stuff, or follow your Anything dreams. Anything you put your mind to, you can do. It's, it is the land of opportunities, mm. you know, the land of the free, and the land of opportunities, and that's what they kind of live their life by. But And I love it. I absolutely do love it. So well, you started way back here. I mean, literally around the corner from where yeah. I live. <laughs> so where do, you live. Yeah. So, where, <laughs> so you grew up southeast. Yeah. And were you, I'm guessing you were always into football. I know your dad played. Was it from like tiny, were you kicking a ball yeah, about? Yeah, from honestly, I think subconsciously when I was in my mum's stomach, <laughs> and I was at my dad's games. I think it was just one of those things where that's what, I was at the games already before I was born. Mm-hmm. As crazy as that sounds. And then when I was born, I was at the games in the pram and things like that. And then I, start, I started to remember when I'm from around four or five years old. And that's when I vividly remember like running on the pitch with my dad at half time and things like that. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And who was your dad playing for? Uh, so he was playing Sunday League at that point, but right. he used to play for Crystal Palace. He played for South End, um, not like pro, like, so, cause people often think he did, he got to the reserves and he played like, and I always think it's amazing cause his manager at South End was Bobby Moore. Oh, and wow. he doesn't really talk about that. And then when I found that, I was like, dad, that's a pretty amazing thing. He kind of cringes when people ask him when they mean, oh, you played football? Cause it's not like he's trying to act like he was some like, you know, um, top, top player, but his knowledge is unbelievable. My mum's knowledge is unbelievable. And you see, my mum watches more football than me and my dad combined. Literally, she's obsessed with football. My mum never played, but her knowledge is unbelievable. I think she could have actually been a scout. Um, really? But she's very good at sp- picking out players from when they're young and, and things like that. And when, um, my, when I first started playing football, my mum was the one that used to take me every single game because my dad was playing. And then my dad didn't actually want me to be a footballer. He discouraged it, um, which is an amazing thing because he hates me telling that story. But it, I tell it all the time because it's true. Like, and to be fair, me and my dad are like best friends. So it's not, it wasn't like he said to me, you're not going. He just never supported it until his game got cancelled one day because of the rain. Good old England, rain on frozen <laughs> pitch. And um, his teammates used to say, Jeff, you've got to go and watch. My dad's name's Jeff. You've got to go and watch her. She's really good. And he just said, yeah, all right. And he wanted me to play tennis or golf. And so I remember he said, from his point of view, he came to watch the game and he said, um, he saw me do something in the game and he thought, she couldn't have meant to do that. And I did something else and he thought, no, she couldn't have meant to do that either. And then after that, he thought, nah, never missed a game since then, has he? So followed me all over the world. Um, Yeah, and he hates that story. He's a massive Arsenal fan. 
and I signed for Arsenal when I was nine. So obviously it was clear from really early on that you had a massive talent. What leads up to you being signed at nine? Like the scouts coming to watch you sort yeah. of play in little leagues, like little local leagues. Yeah, so when I was five, I first started playing and I played for, um, when I signed for a boys team when I was six and then I got signed to Arsenal when I was nine. It was confusing because at the time, girls couldn't play with boys after nine years old. Now it's 12. Right, okay. Um, and I got scouted actually in Catford. I was playing for the boys team. Yeah, and Arsenal were, came to watch me play and they actually scouted me as a boy. They thought I was a boy uh, because I was the only boy, oh, sorry, only girl on all boys team. And it wasn't until I got closer and I had my little plat that they realised actually she's a girl. But I see it as a compliment in a way because the fact that they thought I was good enough to play for the boys team mm -hmm. and they asked my mum and dad if they could... Um, it's a weird thing because they seem to find out who your parents are they seem to know because they've sent them to watch me mm. so it's not just yeah they go to general trials and they'll come to a tournament but this specific scout came to watch me that day so they'll know who your parents are they'll approach your mum and dad and say you know can Leanne come for a trial and in this case it was like can Leanne come for a trial at Highbury um and then yeah and then I went for a trial when I was nine got in on my first trial and never looked back really. And so what is that like then for a nine-year-old? Are you training like twice a week with them? Are you? Is it just in season or is it all year round? Like what does that look like? Yeah, so when I was nine, it was more like you train twice a week. We used to train twice a week at the JVC Centre at Highbury. Yeah, and it was every Saturday we'd have games or Sunday. And to be fair, when I was younger, I used to think, I used to always appreciate my mum and dad taking me everywhere, but never quite understood the amount of commitment mm. it took from them because if my dad couldn't drive because he had a game, my mum used to get on the train with me all the way from Lower Sydenham mm -hmm. train station. And um, we go all the way to like Watford. With My mum used to be the kit manager of the team. So she had the kit on her back as well. And we used to go all the way to Watford and we'd play seven minutes of football each way for 14 minutes because it was a, like, we'd playing six or seven aside at that point. Mm -hmm. So all the way there, all the way back, maybe from maybe 28 minutes of football if you're lucky and then doing the same thing again. And at this time, I look back on that and I'm thinking, like we used to go to Watford, Garston, Goff Soaks, like, and I used to think that was normal. Now when I look back at it, I'm thinking, I quite like my weekend when I have a break. And my dad used to turn around these hours at work to be able to drive me to training. That was a massive commitment for them. And I've seen teammates that have been really good in the past, but they just never really get to where they need to get to. And it's due to usually based upon discipline because mm -hmm. they get to a certain age and they want to start partying, which is not a problem. And also the family not being able to take them. I mean, yeah, you couldn't do it without without that support. No. Certainly from that age. And so was it clear at nine that, well, it's, let me work out, what was the women's game looking like in the UK at that point when you were sort of nine, 10? Yeah, do you know what's funny? When I was that age, being a girl in an all boys team, like there was no there was no girls playing football. Yeah. So I'd walk down the street in my Man United kicks, I'm a Man United fan and everyone, some people used to stop their cars, ah, oh, you're a girl, like, it used to be that, like, they used to think it was funny. But I knew from the age of five years old that I wanted to be a professional footballer. And there wasn't even a professional league. Never existed. Yeah, that's what I was there getting There wasn't to. even all girls' teams. So mm. from the age of five, I said, I'm going to be a professional footballer. Nothing's going to stop me. This is what I'm going to do. And then I made my debut when I was 14 in the Arsenal first team. Now, now I look back on that and I'm thinking, do you know what, Leanne? Like, I go into a lot of schools in America and in England and I share my story and mm -hmm. they have a massive college system in America. And the kids are like, when I tell them I turned pro when I was 14, they look at me, 
their mouths hit the ground. And I think actually that was pretty cool, but I didn't even think about it at that point or even now because it felt normal because mm-hmm. I already had these goals I visualized mm-hmm. and I knew I wanted to be a professional footballer. So when I was 14 and I made my debut and I scored on my debut, which is amazing, but we lost the game. So I don't even want to recall that goal, but it was a big deal because I was the youngest ever player to score in the league. So that was amazing. And then I went to school the next day. <laughs> you know, I was in year eight or nine at school and in Beckenham and I went to school. So, um, and then, yeah, and then I was going to play an FA Cup final when I was 16. I was still in school. I'd go to school the next day. Like my teammates would go out partying and enjoying it. And, you know, I, I couldn't do anything, couldn't drink or anything like that, which wasn't a problem. But I just was like, wow. When I look back, I'm thinking that was actually amazing that I played with the Arsenal first team when I was 14. But it just felt normal because I knew from the age of five years old that I was going to be a professional footballer. And there's going to be nothing that stopped me from doing that. And what age were you when women could become professional footballers? So it still only became a thing like not long ago, really. Like the whole league isn't necessarily fully pro. Right. Um, from my understanding, that's why there's such a big gap between the top and the bottom. Right. Because there's such a big money gap in the, yeah. in the women's league, the WSL. But for me, I was always taking care of at Arsenal. You know, I'd get expenses. And you still support Man U? Come on, mate. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. And I feel bad, I do. But I supported Man United from when I was five. So, like, you can't change you. But have they ever given you petrol money? That's not what I'm asking. Nah, no, it's true, it's true. It's true, actually. But you can't change. As no. much as I would have, it would have been great for me. Like, we get tickets for every game. My dad, considering my dad didn't want me to be a footballer, he soon changed his tune when I signed my contract at nine years old at Highbury. He was buzzing. <laughs> and he'd get tickets for the games. And my dad's not really like that. He doesn't really care about things like that. But It's a nice um, pack. It does, make, it does make me laugh because I think, and he hates it. He hates the fact that that happened. But like I said, he didn't say to me, you're not playing. He just would kind of be like, oh yeah, like, you know, one of those things where it wasn't supported, but it wasn't discouraged. If that but makes sense. Also, if at that point it's like, well, are women going to be making proper money? Like, what's it going to look like as a career prospect? If you pour all your energy into it, like, you know, I can't, like, that's what my parents were Yeah, but he knows he was actor. wrong. Like, yeah, of course, of course. Now. Yeah, and of thankfully course. for my mum, like, she was the one that was like, we're going. But it, like I said, like, you're not going. It mm. was the fact that the team that I actually signed for was his teammate's team. And he played on his team on, a, on, the, on the Sunday League. I said to my dad, dad, are you going to ask Ray if I can play for his team? He said, yes, darling, I'm going to ask him. He had no intention in asking him. So me, as a seven-year-old, six-year-old, went up to this big guy, Ray, and said, Ray, I want to play for your team. And he said, okay, training Saturday is 50 pence to come training in Catford. And then the games were, I think, £2.50 on a Sunday. So the point is, I asked my dad to ask his teammate. And he said, okay, darling, I'm going to do it. And he never did. But can you imagine, like... I'm six or seven years old and I'm going up to this man and I'm like looking up to him like he's this big guy being like, and when I think about this, I'm like, that's not normal. But I think it's that nature versus nurture. I think I was born with a gift. Thankfully, I grew up in a family that helped elevate me as well. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't yeah. think you're necessarily born great. There's an argument between that. Do you understand what I mean? But yeah, of you do need the right people around you because I know and a lot drive. of people that, Yeah. So, and, you know, thankfully... Um, I couldn't ask for a better mum and dad, to be honest. I really couldn't. So supportive. That's amazing. So were you then playing, like if you made, did you say you played in the FA Cup final when you were 16? Yeah. And so from that point on, I mean, school must have just been completely out the window. Like, this Do you know is what? 
it wasn't really out the window. I was so lucky because my teachers were amazing. And I went to an all-girls school, Cato Park. It's now Harris, I think, Harris Academy in Beckenham. And, like, they were so amazing. And the fact that, like, my friends, I've still got best friends from school now. None of them care about football. None of them know that much about football. But they love me and they come mm -hmm. to my games. And I love it. And to be honest, I was a bit apprehensive about going to an all-girls school because I wanted to play football. And I knew there wasn't a football team at school, mm -hmm. things like that. Best decision my mum ever made was send me to that school. My sister went there, my niece went there as well. But because I was able to take a break from football because I was yeah. obsessed with football 24 seven. Like, and whereas I'd play in the FA Cup final and they'd do like, you know, with the speaker or the announcement at school, I would cringe because it would be <laughs> like, you'd know the beat was coming. I knew it was coming. They're like, got a special mention this morning. We're so proud of our very own Leanne Sanderson played in the FA Cup final. Like it was nice, but luckily I had friends and people in the school that weren't like, mean to me because mm -hmm. I think sometimes people could get jealous be mean things like that like I went through a, a stage in school where I felt a little bit like I didn't quite fit in with the other girls some of them because they were going to wanting to go shopping get their nails done wear makeup and stuff like that whereas that wasn't really me mm -hmm. so then I made a decision when I was in year eight or nine to actually go and join another group of friends no one was mean to me and it really changed my life and it just made things a lot better and I'm still best friends with some of these girls now that I've known since I was 12 years old and it's literally, they'll message me after I've been on Sky and they'll be like, don't know what you're talking about. You look amazing. And you, <laughs> like you know what you're talking about. And I love it. That's it what you need. Because I have, I, it's important to have people around you that, and I've learned this, that want you to succeed, but like, don't just want to use you. I'm sure you can relate to that where, mm -hmm. you know, you, I get so many, hope you're well. And then you know something's coming. If you think you hope I'm well, you ask me how I'm doing, right? I always say that. Not that everyone that starts an email with, I hope you're well, but usually I know they're going to ask me for the tickets, something, something, something. Mm. So it's nice to have people around me that I can be myself around and can just let my guard down. Yeah, of course. And people that aren't obsessed by, by football, right? Yeah. You need stuff outside yeah, of what your balance. interest is. And so at what age was it when you, when you realized that you were gay or that you liked women? Like what sort of age was it that you sort yeah. of became aware of that? So my story is a little bit different. And I sometimes find it, it sometimes in, in the LGBT plus community, I think sometimes people have a hard time understanding someone like me because I'm a bit like a unicorn where like I don't have a story necessarily like a coming out story. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, this is who I'm with. I know I'm gay now, but I didn't grow up feeling like it's not a big deal to my friends, but it mm -hmm. is a big deal in reality because it helps other people and that's all I ever want to do. And if being myself can help others, then that's that's really makes me happy because I love um, helping people. That's genuinely, I genuinely get a lot of satisfaction out of that. So I think that hopefully we'll live in a day where a male player will feel comfortable enough to come out. I don't think they should feel pressured. I get this question asked a lot. You didn't ask a question I brought up myself, but... It's, it's a question I get asked all the time. And, you know, it's one of those things where it will happen, but it should happen when a player feels supported. Because um, they exist. This is my, my message is they exist, right? But people don't think they exist. And one of my, my biggest pet peeves is when people think everybody in the women's game is gay. That's not true. And if you're a male player, you can't be gay. That's not true either. So it's almost like the reverse stereotype. And I'm thinking, so that's the only thing that kind of bothers me. But... The reason why I hope we live in a day and age soon where someone does come out in the men's game is because I know how that feels when you carry around that massive weight on your shoulders. And I've had friends that have carried that around with them for years and so much happier, 
oh, when they're able course. to be who they are. Obviously, football is so huge. People love it so much. And like, you know, it's the back pages of all the newspapers and mm-hmm. carrying around that weight of like, is someone going to write something about me? Has someone like it must be. Yeah, it must be exhausting. exactly. I'm the kind of person that a lot of athletes, they can use their, their sport as their out, which is amazing. I use my sport as my out. But if I'm not feeling good, it affects me whether that be going through a really bad breakup, whether that be going through whatever. I, I, I can't separate the two. What are you like before a match? Because I'm quite interested in this, because I know that different like different athletes do different things. Some people go really inward. Some people yeah. are like the loudest person in the changing rooms. What are you like? Both, really. I think it was one of those things. You can probably find a couple of videos on the internet of me and Jill Scott when we played for England. We were kind of like, mm-hmm. and you don't realize how much it settled people's nerves because we used to have all these meetings about what your teammates need and how you need to, and it was really good actually. We, we used to have a meeting about a meeting and everyone used to joke about us with England because we had constant meetings, but it was good recognizing what your teammates need and what each other needs. And me and Jill Scott used to dance in the dressing room before we played in the bronze medal game in 2015. Every single game we danced and it was just me and her. Some people would laugh. Some people would get up and dance with us and just be silly, really. And we were just being yeah. ourselves. And when we had a meeting about certain things like that, people said that it, you didn't realize Machine fan before a game. I like listening to Florence and the Machine, I like listening to Drake, but more like the lyrics. Whereas in the dressing room, when the music's on and you're ready to go out and play, there's no better feeling than being and sharing those moments with your teammates. And you were in the Arsenal team that won the quadruple, is that right? Yeah. I mean, what was that like? Best moment, best moments in my career. Honestly, I've had amazing moments in my career, winning the bronze medal in 2015, winning the mm-hmm. double with Juventus. Yeah, of um, course. The list goes on, but that quadruple winning team in 2007, 2008 was arguably probably the best time of my life um, in general. And I think I've always been kind of chasing that mm-hmm. when I've gone to new, a new team. I've had good experiences. I've had a brilliant experiences in America, and but I just feel like nothing ever compares to that. And I was very lucky that I had that straight when I turned pro. Mm. And I feel like it's almost a blessing and a curse because I've always been comparing everything to it and it's never quite matched it. Right. And I think that's why sometimes on teams, I'll be on a team and I'll just think, oh, I just, I don't know if this is me. Like the, the way that the dynamic is and the way that the manager is and things like that, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, whereas also I was there for 12 years and honestly, I can't thank the girls enough for how they just helped me when I first, 14 years old I was when I first went into the team with grown women. Mm. Doing everything together. Like you're going on long bus journeys. My first trip was a away trip to Scotland. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just one of those things where I just can't thank them enough because, but I was also open to that too. I wasn't a cocky 14 year old that thought I knew everything. Mm. I wasn't an entitled 14 year old. I was somebody that was open to learning. I respected everybody. And I was playing on the team, on the team of people that I looked up to as players, mm. but I knew I earned the right to be there and I knew I deserved to be there. And I, 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 I didn't really, after I went into the first team, I didn't play I played maybe one more game in the reserves and then that was it. And that must have been so special from that little girl who was nine years old, your mum and dad taking you up to Highbury for the trial, to you spending all that time there and then getting the quadruple. Yeah, I mean, no, what, it was amazing. What a journey. Really was. And the person that found me, Vic Akers, when I was nine, actually was my manager in the first team. So oh, he wow. was part of the whole journey. Mm. Like, and he is like Mr. Arsenal. Everybody, he founded Arsenal Women 20, mm. what, 30 years ago, 30 years, years ago now. But he found me when I was nine. 
played for his first time when I was 14. So the story is incredible. It really is. And, you know, I just think, I think my career was almost back to, back to front. I did everything when I was younger. I still continue to win stuff as I got older, but I think it's hard to compare with the best, isn't it? You win the quadruple mm -hmm. by the time you're eight. I was 17. <laughs> yeah, winning that's the hard Champions to League, Winning the Premier League, winning the FA Cup. I played in four, F F five FA Cups by the time I was like, 19, 20, 20, yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things, but I am constantly wanting more though. And that's one of your biggest strengths is your biggest weakness. You know, mm -hmm. I, I always want more. Whereas sometimes I've learned to be a little bit more like Leanne. You've done amazing. Enjoy it. Yeah. I just want to do more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'll do something really amazing. I'll be like, what can I do next? What can I do next? And it's a good thing, but sometimes you've got to sit back and think, I've actually done really amazing things and enjoy them. Mm -hmm. And so, what sort of obviously football took you to America but was that sort of because of the women's game being big out there was that sort of something you knew you wanted to do yeah because it was fully pro so when I say fully pro facilities um money everything all of the best yeah. players were going to America then and I was one of five players that got picked to go and my dad always actually used to say to me America's going to be the place for you I used to be like, no, it's not dad. I love England too much. I love Southeast London. I'm never going anywhere else. I was in that frame of mind. But to be honest, I think it's literally the best thing I've, decision I've ever made because I grew up as a person so much. Not only living in America, I lived in Spain, didn't speak any Spanish, mm -hmm. lived in Italy, didn't speak any Italian, living in places, stepping outside your comfort zone. And I always encourage anybody to travel mm -hmm. because I did all right in school. I did, got my GCSEs. I, did, I went to sixth form, did business studies, but I learned so much about life from after school, mm -hmm. like about myself, about everything, genuinely. And I, I would encourage anybody if they have the opportunity to just step outside their comfort zone and, you know, live. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid, do be afraid to kind of put yourself in uncomfortable situations, not dangerous situations, but uncomfortable where you have to learn a language or you have to do things like that. And like thinking outside your own little bubble yeah. is always so useful for like, sort of personal growth for want mm -hmm. of a better word but you know to, to see you know from where other people are standing I mean it makes you grow as a person it makes you understand a little bit more about the world um I read an article where you were saying that every time you join a team you would have to do like an article about the fact that you're gay yeah did that become obviously you know as you mentioned before you know you're you're really thrilled that it can help people you love that it has helped people and families have got in touch with you and people realize they can have a successful life because of looking at someone like you but did it just get to a stage you were a bit like can I just talk about football yeah I think as well like yeah I did say that a couple of times and I had to say at Juventus to the press officer I don't want to do any more interviews because they might mm -hmm. as well just copy and paste them yeah so I'm not going to change my story yeah right and I just I literally have said this and I sound like a stuck record but I just want to be known as Leanne Sanderson, the footballer that happens to be gay, not Leanne mm -hmm. Sanderson, oh, the gay footballer. Oh yeah, that was the first one that ever came out. Oh yeah. I've done so much in my career that I feel like it's almost overtaken. My sexuality started to overtake what my what my credentials. Mm -hmm. And thankfully now, we talk about being trailblazers at the beginning of the, of the when we were talking. I feel so happy that I see other people talking about being mm -hmm. with their partner. Mm -hmm. whether it be their teammate. There's more people now that are able and open about it. And I think it's amazing because you sometimes have to do things selfless that you might not get a reward for. Mm -hmm. But my reward is seeing other people be able to be themselves. I'm not saying it's based upon me, but you, there's other people like Megan Rapino that's come out, you know, course, a lot yeah. of other people. And I think when that happens, I'm like so happy because I just know 
that Megan Rapinoe has a way higher profile than I do. And I know how much that can help. And I just know that's all I really ever want to do. I mean, and certainly doing it in countries, like, like being just you in countries where, you know, that maybe aren't as open-minded as LA. Did yeah. that feel, because I read in one article you said, like people, when you were playing for Juventus, you'd be in a restaurant and someone would be like, oh, you can have a dessert free, you play for Juventus. But then, you know, that's sort of difficult yeah. because you know that other mm -hmm. gay people in Italy aren't getting an easy ride. And just because you're a footballer, like how did you sort of manage that? Yeah, I, you know what? I don't even think it necessarily was necessarily to do with sexuality. I think a lot of it was to do with me just looking completely different to anyone they've ever seen. <laughs> and also, but then I noticed that when my dad came to visit, when my friends came to visit that are black, it would be different and that's not good. So it's all very well people being nice to me because I played for Juventus or I played in Spain, but at the same time, I want them to be nice to everybody. So hopefully I may have left an impact on people there that I don't even know about, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Because seeing people like myself, at the end of the day, you can't hold it against everybody if they've never seen or been educated. Sometimes people just don't know. How they don't know, it's hard for me because I'm like, have you been growing up under a rock? But at the same time, it's education, isn't it? In the schools, in they don't do that in certain countries because they're so far behind. So, you know, it's great that Juventus signed me and wanted, it's amazing. It is a big deal. Again, it was almost like I had to come out again in whatever country I go to. Oh, and, you know, and I feel like, whereas I've got to a point now where I'm just like, you know what, I'm happy with what I'm doing. I love what I do. I've not officially retired, but I just can't see myself playing again because I just love what I'm doing. And I'm just kind of going in a really good place um, with my punditry and, and an analyzing and radio and talk sport. And I love it. I'm working with amazing people. And I just, that's all I ever want to do is be surrounded by good people. So do you think, do you think there could be a team that you would go, oh yeah, I'd definitely play again. Or is it way too exciting now to be a pundit? You know what? I was going to make, I made that decision a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago when I was doing um, a women's game at Bournemouth mm -hmm. where I won everything with Arsenal, right? And I went back there to do some analysis um, on TV for BBC. And I thought, I got a bit of butterflies driving to the ground because it's the stadium I used to play at where we won the Champions League, everything. And then I thought, actually, like, how am I going to feel today? Felt a bit nervous. I might start getting itchy feet like I want to be out there. Then as soon as I saw them in the warm up, freezing cold, covered in mud, running sprints. I thought, nah, I'm fine here. I'm absolutely <laughs> fine here. Got my leather gloves on, my nice jacket. I'm nice to, it was freezing actually, even though I felt warm. And I thought, do you know what? I'm actually okay with what I'm doing. And I think that was a massive turning point for me. I never mm -hmm. closed doors because I'm still only 33, which a lot of people try to age. It's almost like, oh my God, you're 33. Oh my God, you're 34. You can't play anymore. That's not true. I think you're only as old as you feel. But I just... I would never close the door, but I just can't see myself playing again because I just love what I do. And also it's like, there comes a point where you're like, I need to start thinking about life decisions. I don't want to live out of a suitcase anymore. I don't want to be kind of, okay, Leanne, you're going to go and play for this team. Okay, Leanne, you're going to go and play for this team. There comes a point where you need to settle down and become an adult. <laughs> As a player, do you get a lot of choice about where you go or is it you have to go here, you have to go there? Well, the thing is, um, it depends on how good you are usually. And if a manager likes you, that's the truth. Like I've been in situations where some of my teammates have been traded and they've come to training in the morning. This is in America and the coach will call them into the office and some of them will come out in tears because they've been told, well, actually, you're going to be moving to uh, wherever it might be, 
whatever team in the league they could yeah. get sent to. Um, and it's not they're upset about going to that team. It's just shock, isn't it? Thankfully, in England and Europe, it's not like that because you have a contract. Right. But if you go somewhere and you don't like the manager or they don't like you, then you're kind of a little bit stuck. But you do have a choice for the most part. Now, I'm very aware that um, you have very kindly given me some of your time and I know how busy you are. So I'm going to ask you one more question and then um, you, you'll be you'll be gone just in time. No, I don't uh, want it to end. <laughs> the question that I ask absolutely everyone uh, that comes on the podcast and... Um, you know, the reason that I created it is because I just want to create a space where people can talk about having happy lives as LGBT plus people. And so the question I always ask is if you could go back in time and give a bit of advice to yourself, or maybe there's someone listening who, maybe they're a footballer, maybe they're in sports somehow, maybe they're thinking, oh, will I be able to be myself? Should I be myself? If you could give either yourself in the past or that person that's listening a little bit of advice, what would you say? I would say never give up on your dreams and no matter how hard things get, always keep the faith because I I think there's been times in my career that I've wanted to give up. I've been injured. I had a really bad injury and I never thought I'd play football again. There are times when I thought I'd never walk again, to be honest, not to be extra, but I think you have to always keep the faith because there's been times where I think people see you doing well and they just think, well, actually, she's just thriving and she's never had any you know, things happen that have not been bad, but I do, I don't believe in overnight success. It's a journey, isn't it? And mm-hmm. it's the path. And I think for myself, there's been times, like I said, where I felt like giving up, like from playing and things like that, or just like settling when I'm actually like, no, actually I'm in a really good place now. So I just think whenever anybody tries to tell you you can't do something, you can do it. You can do anything you put your mind to, but you just have to surround yourself with the right people. Because mm-hmm. I think, that's something I've learned. And I know people used to say, and it sounds cliche, you can count your best friends on your, your one hand. And I say, oh, here we go again, that same story. But as I've got older, I'm like, it's actually true. Like you go through journeys in life and sometimes you, you, you some people fall by the wayside and some people thrive with you and go with you. And I'm very loyal. And if people are good to me, I'm good to them. And, and that's how it works. So I would just say a message to my younger self that maybe don't make decisions based upon emotion. <laughs> um, also, I think there's been times where, when I was in Orlando, that I left a team, and I think I left way too soon. I didn't agree with the manager's decision and having me as like a super sub, and I felt like I was in my prime. I was playing really well, and you know when you're playing well. I don't think I'm Ronaldo, but I knew I was playing well, and he saw my role as being different, and I knew another team wanted me, and I said I'd like to leave. Now, in hindsight, and then I got injured a month later, three weeks later, and that team. So in my mind, I start to think, well, what could I have done then? So you don't, I don't live with regrets, but I think sometimes I've made decisions based upon emotion and not just kind of slept on it. So now I've got a little bit older, I sleep on things, calm. I'm not a hothead, but I think when people do me wrong, I, I find it really hard. Mm, so, that makes but sense. Yeah. That's the only decision I regret actually leaving Orlando. But then having said that, when I went to my team, I got injured, but we won the whole championship in America, which is a really big deal. So live with regret a little bit but I had really good teammates there and I have a national championship ring to um to say for it so all good we're good in the end this has been such a brilliant interview thank you so much for giving me your time no, no problem I felt like we could have spoke for ages for, uh, yeah and I appreciate I'm just someone on Twitter being like please don't speak to you but I no, do really no, no. appreciate you no, taking honestly, the time I looked out. at your stuff and I thought like yeah because I, I don't when it comes to stuff like this I always uh, have, more, have a lot of time for it if you know what I mean I think it's important to speak about real things and stuff like that. So thanks for asking me, it's an honor. 
Thank you so much for listening. Oh, I loved that interview. I think she is absolutely brilliant. Uh, what a, uh, a treat it was to chat to Leanne. And yeah, I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try and make friends with her because we live so close to each other. There, there was talk at one point about going for a jog. I mean, I don't think I'll be able to keep up. Uh, maybe we'll go and have a kick around. Oh God, that'd be fun. Um, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Um, as ever, if you want to get in touch, please do. The email is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com and I will be back next week with another interview. Thank you so much. You take care and I'll chat to you then. Bye. Mm-hmm.